I'm grateful to be here with you guys tonight. Um, as you know, because you're here, it's Ash Wednesday, which is the day that marks the beginning of Lent, which is the 40 days of preparation before Easter. So the time of Lent is a time of, of preparation, of reflection, of consideration. Uh, so I hope uh, my words tonight, the Lord speaking through me, will, will give you a, a posture to take uh, out of here into Lent. Um, uh, but first, let me pray for us. Father, I uh, thank you for the people gathered here. Thank you that you are present here, and I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me, that, um, that you would, would be at work in our hearts, drawing us toward you. In Jesus' name, amen. Wes, can you pull up that, the, that image, the first image? Who knows what this is? You guys are allowed to shout out. Who knows what this is? Anybody? Not a fireman's symbol. It's the seal of the city of Atlanta, Okay. So if you look at, like, at like the, even the water meter covers, you'll see this symbol. And what is that in the middle of the, symbol, uh, of the seal? A phoenix. A phoenix. So the phoenix, probably, you guys probably know this, the phoenix is a mythical creature that spontaneously combusts. It burns up into ashes, and then it rises up again in new life. So... In the Civil War, there's a little history lesson, in 1864, the Union troops marched through the city of Atlanta on their way across Georgia to Savannah, and they burned most of the city. More than half of the, bu the buildings in the city were, bur were burned to the ground. Well, after the war, the city rebuilt quickly, and in 1900, uh, the city of Atlanta adopted this seal. And they, they chose to put the phoenix in the middle of, of the seal, uh, to signify that the city had risen from the ashes. And the word resurgence up there at the top is, is Latin, meaning rising again. And the, the phoenix, or some other mythical bird, uh, appears in the mythology of a lot of different cultures. It's in Greek mythology, Egyptian mythology, Chinese mythology. Uh, Harry Potter fans may recognize this guy. That's Fox, right? Is that right? Fox? You should know. Uh, well, what is it that people across cultures find so compelling about this mythical creature that burns up in ashes and then rises to new life? And, and here's my proposition. Here, here's why I think the phoenix matters. It's because every human being, regardless of where we're from, what culture we come from, is made with a deep, soul-level longing for resurrection. It's in our bones. It's in our guts. It's in our hearts. You see, we're designed by God. We were designed by God to live forever. We were made for eternity. We were made for Eden. We were made to live in God's presence in all of the physical and emotional and structural flourishing that comes with that. We are made to live in perfect peace, perfect wholeness, with incorruptible bodies for eternity. And that's, that's in our bones. It's in our DNA. That's what we are made for. But of course, that's not our current lived experience, right? Uh, I mean, it's obvious by the fact that I, I am, I've reached the age where I'm too proud to bring my reading glasses up here. 
but, but my body is starting to fail me, right? My body is, is corruptible. What, what unites every human being is that we're all going to die one day, right? Uh, it's true. <laughs> Maybe scary kids, but it's true. Our bodies fail us, uh, and we grow old. Um, it happens to everybody. And, and it's not only our bodies, but uh, our family and friends may fail us. Our institutions fail us, even the church. We fail ourselves. But the beautiful thing about the gospel is that we have a Savior who took on our corruptible flesh and he embraced the fullness of the human condition. When Jesus stubbed his toe, it hurt just like it does when I, hurt, when I stub my toe. When his friend died, he wept. And when he was nailed to a cross, his physical body failed him. Of course, that's not the end of the story, but let's not skip to Easter quite yet. In our modern world, we set up our lives to avoid thinking about unpleasant things like pain and death. Uh, this week, somebody sent me a, an article written by Tish Harrison Warren, who's an Anglican priest, and she pointed out um, that we used to put cemeteries around churches. And if you, if you drive around town, you still can see some, uh, some little churches with cemeteries in the churchyard. If you drive out in the country, you'll see them all over the place. In European cathedrals, there's people buried in the walls of the churches. And the point that she makes is uh, that you couldn't go into a church without thinking about death. So you, couldn't go, you wouldn't go a week without thinking about your, your own mortality. But we don't really do that anymore. In our day, we have the freedom to construct our lives to avoid thinking about painful things like death. And we don't have a lot of limits on us anymore. Technology has removed a lot of the limits that, that humans once had. Uh, at our fam church family meeting this past Sunday, Pastor David uh, invited us, called us uh, to, to the spiritual practice of solitude and silence. It's hard to be silent. Because oftentimes, the pain, the anxiety, the fear that we have under the surface, we can distract ourselves from, but when we're quiet, it bubbles up to the surface. So the invitation of Lent, the season of Lent, and in, in particular Ash Wednesday, is to enter a period of time, a space, where we recognize our own mortality. We recognize our own corruptible and limited nature so that we may grow in the depth of our longing for the wholeness and flourishing that comes from being in God's presence. Let me say that one more time. The invitation of Lent is to enter a space, a period of time, where we recognize our own mortality, our own limits, our own corruptible nature, so that we may grow in the depth of our longing for the wholeness and flourishing that comes from being in God's presence. So in Lent, we're invited into this tension that exists between our current state on the one hand and the promised hope, the promised future that we have. 
Uh, there's a story in the Old Testament in the book of Ezra that I think really depicts God's people holding in tension this pain of loss on the one hand and the, and the hope of new life on the other. And, and this is the posture I hope that, that we, as Village Church, that, that I want to invite you into. So the book of Ezra describes how uh, God's people had been taken away from Jerusalem. They'd been taken to Babylon by the Babylonians. And not only had they been taken away, but the temple had been destroyed. The temple that, that, that God told David to build, that Solomon built, where God's presence dwelt in the Holy of Holies. The Babylonians destroyed it, crumbled it to the ground. Okay, 50 years later, a new regime comes into Babylon and tells the Israelites they can go home and they can build their temple again. So they start laying the foundation of the temple. And this is what Ezra describes. They start laying the foundation of, of the temple again and they have a worship service. The kind of worship that, that, that David told Solomon to have. And here's how Ezra describes their, their worship. And this is Ezra chapter 3. He says, And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid, though many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout, and the sound was heard far away. The season of Lent, and Ash Wednesday in particular, is a call to God's people to this, this type of worship. We can look back on the ashes of our lives, the pain of the past, our own failures and the failures of those around us, the limitations of our physical bodies, in short, our mortality, and we can rejoice that the Lord is doing in us what the Lord is doing us at the same time. And we have something that the Israelites that were described in Ezra don't have, didn't have. We have a Savior who was acquainted with the pain of the human condition, a Savior we can look to and who paved the way for our resurrection. He died and rose again so that we can experience his presence now. And we have the sure promise that we'll one day live fully in his presence in incorruptible bodies. We'll be resurrected one day with him. So about 500 years after this story from the book of Ezra, Jesus stood in the exact same spot. The very foundation that, that those Israelites had laid lasted for, for 500 more years, although it had been plundered and ripped apart in some way and rebuilt, the same foundation existed, and Jesus stood right there. And this is what he said uh, to the leaders of the, of the, of the Jews at, at that time. He said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. The Jews then said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you'll raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. 
And his disciples remembered this after he died and rose again, that he was talking about himself. In Jesus, God's presence was no longer geographically limited to the temple. God's presence dwelt in human form. And so the physical temple was no longer necessary for God's people to worship. And through Jesus' death and resurrection, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God's presence, the very presence that resided in the Holy of Holies in the temple, now resides in the hearts of his believers, of his, of his people. It dwells in us. So we have a reason to rejoice and to hope. But we still live on this side of Eden, and we still live on this side of heaven. And I'm not talking about even Eden Avenue. <laughs> and so the path to our wholeness, to fullness, to eternal life, is through recognizing our own mortality. It's in the ashes of our lives that our Savior brings new life. So tonight we acknowledge our limitations, our mortality, our corruptible nature, and we wait with hope for the resurrection, for new life, for flourishing, a taste of which has been granted to us now, but we wait to be fulfilled completely. So may our weeping from the pain of our past be mixed with shouts of joy tonight. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you that you love us and that you sent your son to be with us and to experience what we experience, the frailty, the, the limitations, the brokenness we experience, and that you, by your spirit, have given us, put us in your presence, brought us into your presence, and we thank you that one day we will be resurrected with, with new bodies and be in your presence forever. And we, uh, we look forward to that day and we long for it. In Jesus' name, amen.